All right, we got a great guest for you guys today talking about healthcare. Um, it's Tom Harmon, he's the host of the Tom Harmon program. That's on Sirius XM, it's on uh, radio stations across the country, it's on Free Speech TV. But he's also a New York Times bestselling author, and uh, his new book is called The Hidden History of American Healthcare. Tom, welcome back to the show, brother. Hey, Cenk, it's great to be here with you, and it's so nice to see you again. It's great to see you, man. Uh, all right, so Tom, uh, let's talk history as we often do. Um, most of the developed nations have single payer health care. So that what that means is public health insurance, right? Now some go beyond right. that, the UK does, etc. But we don't. Why did we diverge from everyone else? How did that happen? It, it really began in the 1880s, 1890s when medicine became a thing. And uh, there was this guy named Frederick Ludwig Hoffman who came over here from Germany. And uh, he was a young man, he was, he was 17 in fact when he came over and uh, was a numbers genius. And he hooked up with the Prudential Life Insurance Company, ended up being a vice president. And he was the guy who figured out that there was an association, a statistical association between working in a cotton mill and having asbestos, you know, lung, lung problems, asbestos and mesothelioma, smoking and, and lung cancer. You know, he published on that in the, in the 1910s, in the 1890s and 1910s. And diet and cancer. In fact, his book on the association between a high processed food diet and cancer is still in print. And he's been dead since 1946, but his book is still around. So he's really smart in these things. And so he and he married this Southern Belle from Georgia, who was from a, a, a racist plantation family. And so he ran the numbers on black people and found that black people were dying, you know, dropping like flies, uh, you know, more likely to be sick, more likely to die of pretty much everything. And concluded, uh, which was the general consensus at the time among a lot of white people in the South, this is again in the 1890s, that black people were genetically inferior. And in 1896, he published a book called Race, Tendencies and Traits of the American Negro, in which he, pos- he lays out all the numbers and then he concludes that if we simply avoided allowing black people to have any access to health care, that within two or three generations, the whole race would die out and that would solve the race problem in America. Now, it sounds kind of crazy when I just lay it out like that right now, but this led to a whole bunch of things. By the 1920s, it was, this was referred to as scientific racism. He was testifying about it before Congress. Yeah, when Teddy Roosevelt, 1912, proposed a national health care system, you know, people said no because black people will get it. When Franklin Roosevelt proposed a national health care system, it was the same thing. We don't want black people to get it. When when Truman tried it in 47, same thing. Don't want black people to get it. Right up until 1965, Senator Stennis, you know, the the Dixiecrats in the South, was quoting um, Hoffman. Uh, who was like, you know, by then dead, but is still very famous in this in this field, as saying this, you know, we have to figure out a way to keep black people from using Medicare. This is when they were passing Medicare, and the way that they came up with was to have a 20% hole, a gap in Medicare, so that you had to pay 20% of your doctor's bill and your hospital bill, and that would discourage poor black people from showing up at the hospitals. I mean, it, it's really, it was the most shocking thing I discovered, Jenk, when I was doing the research on this book, is that nearly 100% of the reason why the United States is the only country in the world that doesn't define healthcare as a right and doesn't have any, any sort of national healthcare system to speak of is because of racism. That's amazing. 
I, really I, I love when you find hidden histories. And that's why you've got 12 states that still haven't expanded Medicaid, right? Free health insurance for low income people, all former slave states. Yeah, and, and so I remember when we talked about how a Supreme Court clerk said that corporations were people. And how yeah, that, John Chandler Davis in 1886. Right, and and how that started this whole corporations are people nonsense. It was never a Supreme Court decision, etc. Now yep. this and but Tom, a lot of it goes seems to go back to race. And and you know the more you look into American history, the more you realize it's not just original sin that it's like a it's like a sickness that's still spreads and spreads and is still infecting us. So I remember when we were talking about guns and the second amendment was because to support slave patrols. So exactly. And and then talk to me about this interesting combination of capitalism and racism that we have in America that's produced what appears to be a toxic stew of not caring about one another. That it it, it almost seems to have gone over from race the class like hey while we were not caring about black people and hoping that they would die quicker we accidentally started doing that for poor people and then middle class people and 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 now the whole country is this kind of macabre runaway insane capitalism run amok where we grind each other endlessly to the nub to under corporate rule yeah, a lot of what you're talking about falls under the the larger rubric of neoliberalism, which, by the way, a year from now will be my next book, The Hidden History of Neoliberalism. <laughs> and you know, and that's the theory that markets are always smarter than bureaucrats. That that capitalism is is more important than democracy. That democracy, in fact, is outmoded and and really needs to you know be. Yeah, we'll give it lip service and everything. But what's really important is that the really smart people run everything, and the really smart people we know, of course, are the really rich people. It's like an economic version of Calvinism. You know, the the, the Calvinist theory that people like Betsy DeVos subscribe to that. That um, you know, all people are sinners. So how do we know who to pick to lead us? Well, God tells us by making some people rich, and those are the people who are God's chosen few. Well, you just tweak that slightly, and you've got Hayek and Mrs. and and Friedman. Uh, you know, their their neoliberal theory that the people who are the chosen ones are the ones who are rich because the market chose them because they're you know their own intelligence, and uh, this brutality of the marketplace is. Uh, destroying us, and this, you know, we had a period in the United States from the 30s to the 80s, and you and I have talked about this before. Um, I'm not sure if it was on the air or if it was over a beer years ago, but um, we had this period between the 30s and the 80s where we actually had capitalism to a to a significant extent, kind of regulated and in a box, uh, and or at least the capitalists. And then Reagan came in and just introduced all these neoliberal reforms, radically cutting the top taxes that were that were maintaining, you know, was some level of equality and inequality just exploded and deregulating, you know, industry after industry, leading to monopolies, and uh, it, it and when you throw race into that mix. Um, and then you get things like redlining, you know, and and uh, well, just you know, this this whole toxic stew that we're seeing that that you know, uh, inappropriate policing, uh, George Floyd being murdered. I mean, it's 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 really all one giant kind of 
ball of string that you know it's really hard to pull pieces out and think that and find they're not discrete they're all interconnected yeah and and our foreign policy in in that case mm-hmm. it's it's less about black people more about muslims but a fear yeah. of the others a hatred of the others and easy to say oh muslims all they understand is violence that's why we had to kill them all um, and and by the way, we've been running that racket for a long, long time in the West. You know, the conquistadors oh, yeah. coming over and saying, "Well, I spoke Spanish to the you know to the local indigenous tribes, and they didn't understand me, so they were obviously savages, so I had to murder them." Um, so that's been going around. But you know, healthcare is about whether people get to stay alive or not, and so it's supposed to be the core mission of the government: police, military, fire department. Protect the citizens, right? If government's good for anything, and even the right wing agree to that, it should be to protect the citizens. And so that's why health insurance is public everywhere else. So let's go back to that issue. It starts out first as this way to say, hey, let's get black people to die quicker if we don't give them insurance, which is unbelievable, right? As a justification, and unfortunately in American history, quite believable. But then is there a tipping point, Tom, where they go, Oh, now we're making a lot of money off this private health insurance because we charge them more and then we give them less and then we keep the profit. And does that take on a life of its own and hit a tipping point at some point? Yeah, I mean, you raised kind of two issues. One is the commons and the other is just the history of how we got here. Um, Scientific racism pushed us or prevented us from getting a national healthcare system right up until the 70s. After that, what happened was in the in the 50s and 60s and 70s, the health the health insurance industry came into its own. And when Reagan deregulated them just massively, I mean, deregulated everything in the 80s, ordered the Justice Department and the SEC or whichever federal agency it is to stop enforcing the antitrust laws. You know, we went from hundreds of insurance companies to dozens now to really six or seven really large ones. And so now the main force against a national health policy is the fact that you've got a handful of health insurance companies that are literally making a billion dollars a day or at least you know a couple billion dollars a week in profits. And to peel off a few hundred million to buy a few politicians of the entire Republican Party and enough Democrats, you know, they gave Joe Lieberman a million bucks and he killed the public option, for example. So now it's now it's money. It's not racism any longer. You know, there's a piece there, but it's pretty faded away. Now it's all about the money. The larger issue that you raise is the one of the commons. You know, and this is a this is the discussion. I think this is the key, and what you just raised, Jenk, I think is the like the magic key that unlocks the whole thing. We have not had a reasonable debate in the United States since the 80s about what the commons is. What is the stuff that we all own together, we all administer together, and that is the appropriate function of government? And at one, you know, pre-Reagan, we agreed that there, you know, we don't want the government making our cars or our blue jeans. But we do, you know, there's only one power line coming into my house. And so it should be provided by a company that is answerable to me, that's owned by its by its people, you know, by its consumers and, and, and its community. And now we're down to about, I think it's around 40% of electricity generated in the United States is publicly owned. It used to be like 80, 90%. Um, same with water supplies, same with septic, less with less so with septic, because there's not so much profit to be made there. Um, but 
we really did this with fire departments. I mean, you got you know libertarians like Rand Paul. I mean, these guys they want to go back to an era when you had to pay the fire department and they put a shield on your house. And if your house caught on fire and you didn't have their shield, their trucks would just drive on by. That was normal in the United States until the 1920s and 30s. And then as people, you know, community, particularly after the big Chicago fire in the late 1800s. Um, people in America figured out that if one house caught on fire, it could catch the next house on fire and the next house, and, and this is a bad thing. So we all agreed that we would all chip in to pay for the fire department and it, that it's the commons. Well, if my house being on fire is so important that we should call it part of the commons and pay for it with our taxes collectively, isn't my body even more valuable if it catches on fire metaphorically? You know, if it gets cancer, I get in a car accident, whatever. Um, isn't that, shouldn't that be part of the commons too? And I think that's the next step in the big conversation that we need to be having. Yeah, unfortunately, all these come back to the two issues that I talk about most often, which is money and media. So yeah. uh, I'll come back to money in a second. You mentioned something that's really important there. But on this one, it's the media because. Uh, you could easily say, hey, listen, um, you know what catches from house to house? A virus does in the middle of a pandemic, for example. And so exactly. this was a moment where everybody recognizes recognized that we need to get free tests, free vaccines for the American people because our lives are on the line. And then, duh, the very next question is, well, aren't our lives on the line on all important healthcare issues? And, right. and even more so than perhaps even fire or police, which happens more rarely and, and, and is more continuous. Everybody's gonna have healthcare issues, everybody is. And it's going to literally endanger their lives. But yet, none of the media talk about that. None of them, yeah. none of them took the opportunity of COVID to discuss, hey, maybe we should do what every other developed nation does. And of course, you saw it in the Bernie Sanders campaigns. How are you going to pay for that? Oh, it's 32 trillion. Now, they still do it to this day, Tom. I still read articles where they say they quote the Koch brothers study without naming that it was the Koch brothers who paid for it. Say that Medicare for all would cost 32 trillion and leave out that it would save 34 trillion dollars from the economy. I mean, right. so right. isn't the core of the problem really the media? Because it's the lens through which we can't see right. It's a large part of it, Cenk, and that's that's why I think that programs like yours and networks like yours, like the Young Turks, are so important. That you know that we have alternative media in the United States, but the the the, the official, the mainstream, the corporate media, whatever you want to call it, um, has gotten so. I mean, obviously there are partisans and 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 people acting within that world who have uh, hidden agendas or sometimes very upfront agendas, but. There's also an enormous amount of basically laziness going on, and uh, you know I think your example of you know citing that Koch brothers study is a, is a good one, and and you know it's like when when there was this big uh, hysteria when Trump was you know uh, during the early COVID and he was like oh my God immigrants are going to bring COVID into the country, and and at the same time you had him and governors going. What? Look at this. California wants to give free health care to immigrants. Oh my God. And I'm like, wait a minute. These two messages don't make any sense. I mean, do you want the guy who's sitting next to you at the on the park bench or on the bus or whatever who might be an immigrant? Um, 
and and therefore, because you're so noble, doesn't have health insurance to be coughing his tuberculosis or his COVID on you. I mean, shouldn't everybody be healthy? Isn't that you know? It's it's like your point about you know viruses don't have walls. I mean, they they just they just move around. Yeah. So this common sense stuff doesn't even get raised in these conversations, which is infuriating. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's so obvious and such common sense that when it doesn't get raised, you wonder why. And and of course the you know. The tremendous amount of the millions of dollars in drug company money and health insurance money that goes into advertising on cable news and most of the print media as well. We're one of only two countries in the in the developed world that allows pharmaceutical companies to advertise on television. Us and New Zealand. That's it. Yeah, and well, that's working out great for us. Um, okay, and now I go back to money. I mean. Tom, how are we gonna get Medicare for all? Because the Medicare for all is this single payer. It's what would make us like every other developed nation. Our media lies 24 seven that it costs more when every other nation, it costs less. In fact, on average, it costs half as much. And okay, but let's say we get beyond that. But then our politicians are literally bought, they're corrupt. And so Jolie, and of course, that's another goes back to the media because they won't call them corrupt. Oh, Joe Lieberman took a million dollars for his health and for your health. Absurd for what? For charity? Absurd, absurd. But but Tom, how are we going to solve any of these issues if the politicians are bought? Don't you have to solve yeah. money in politics first? Well, that that of course the answer is yes to a, to an extent, and and that's the answer also to you know how do we get clean elections and how do we? <laughs> there's so many things that that you know nice things that Americans can't have that everybody else in the developed world has. Because of money and politics, you're absolutely right, and that, that's huge. But in terms of practical implementation, um, the way that Canada got Medicare for all was Tommy Douglas was the premier of uh, of uh, Saskatchewan, you know, a, a province. We would call it a state. We would call him a governor, um, you know, back in the '60s, and and he did it. He just did it. He had been in the federal Congress for a couple of years and tried to do it, didn't work. So he thought, okay, I'll go back to my state and just do it at the state level. Got elected premier and made it happen. And then Alberta said, hey, that looks pretty good, let's try that. And then Ontario said, "Oh, we've gotta have that. And it spread across the country within a couple of years. And then the federal government got in and said, we'll backstop you guys and set some standards. And now you've got a national system, but it's still administered by the individual states in Canada. In the United States, both Vermont and California have voted for this. Their legislatures have passed it. Um, a friend of mine was the, the head of uh, HEW in Vermont when it got passed. And uh, he, his job was to put it into place. And what he discovered, and, uh, and, and sadly, you know, I mean, this, California discovered the same thing, is that there's this weird quirk in the Medicare and Medicaid laws that LBJ wanted there in the 60s. Uh, he wanted them so that states couldn't take the federal money for Medicare and Medicaid and then refuse to give it to certain people. And we're talking about black people here. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, FDR wanted to make sure that they couldn't um, just serve white people. And so there's this line of data that has to go from the federal government to the consumer, essentially. It's direct with Medicare. I mean, it's a, Medicare is direct payments to the federal government. In the states, you know, with Medicaid, it goes through the states. But there's still that line of that line that has to be tracked. And so, when Vermont went to the federal government 
and said, we're gonna do single payer. We just passed it, the legislature passed it, the governor signed it, we're ready to implement it. The federal government said, well, that's all well and good, but no more Medicare money is gonna come into your state, which is billions a year. All the people over 65, you're gonna have to figure out how to pay for them. And no more Medicaid money is gonna come into your state, which was billions of dollars a year. A lot of, a lot of low income people in Vermont. Um, because of this quirk in the law that was written in to prevent the racists from misusing Medicare and Medicaid back in the 60s. You could fix that with probably a three page piece of legislation that basically just strips out those provisions. That has been proposed dozens of times over the last 20 years, always by Democrats, always shot down by Republicans. But if we could get, they're called waivers, if we could get state waivers, state Medicare and Medicaid waivers, if we could get that put into federal law, then California and Vermont tomorrow morning would have single payer systems, Medicare systems, Medicare for all systems. And I guarantee it just like with Canada within a decade, every other state or at least most of the other states would follow suit and you would have it federal backstopped. But the insurance, the health insurance companies are fighting it tooth and nail and the Republicans are fighting it tooth and nail, which takes us back to your point, Cenk, and, and I, and, you know, which you are constantly talking about. And God bless you for it, that if we don't get money out of politics in this country, um, you know, we're just sliding toward oligarchy every single day. Right, uh, because uh, you know we're we got one minute left, Tom. But you know, uh, those insurance companies and also the drug companies who greatly benefit from this—they're uh, not yeah. just doing the ads on on television, and they're not just giving the money to politicians uh, for charity. Obviously, I mean, and and exactly. that's why the media drives me crazy. It's it's de facto bribery. It, it's, it's it is. And that's really the number one reason why we don't have whatever the developed nation has. Is that yeah, about it's right? Not, it's not even quite bribery, Cenk. It's more like um, we've got this old boys club here and we're inviting you in. You know, We're the health insurance industry and we're making billions and you're the media industry and you're making billions. Let's share some of our billions and, and, and have a common interest here. That's what's going on. Yeah, for, for the media, that's more true uh, for the politicians. It's as close to flat out bribery as it yeah, gets. Well, bribery, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, everybody check out the hidden history of American healthcare. As usual, a brilliant job by Tom Hartman, longtime progressive host and one of the best progressive hosts in the country. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Jenk. It's always great talking with you. Take care.